Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just back for another episode of Startup Hustle, which is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, which is also part of what we're going to talk about today. Hiring programmers. Can you find them? Well, I mean, if you can, it's hard to do. I mean, that's the first step, right? Yeah. But by the way, we got a shout out. Really? Yeah, man. I love I love this stuff. So first off, if you listen to the show regularly, we'd love to hear from you. Joseph Pavkovich in Stuttgart, Germany. Joseph, what's up, dude? Says he's been listening to the show and uh, enjoys listening to it in the morning traffic. And he really wants to make sure that we continue doing startup hustles. So Joseph, we heard you, buddy. Thanks. And uh, he sent kind regards from Stuttgart, Germany. That's pretty cool. Stuttgart, That's really what's awesome. up? Yeah, I know, man. We're uh, feel like we're assembling an international collection of awesome people. So, yeah. So, um, hiring programmers, developers, software engineers, whatever you want to call them, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. very hard. Now, this is something that we have a lot of experience with, and you know, if you don't feel like hiring them yourselves, go to fullscale.io because it's really has a lot to do with why our business even exists on some levels. But you mentioned if you can find them. That's the first problem. You got to start there. Yeah, well, there is a, I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to recruit and get people in and, you know, like, I mean, everything from LinkedIn to job ads to a lot of different stuff. Evil staffing companies. Yeah. Well, that can be expensive. And, but here in the United States, there's a huge shortage of programmers which makes it makes it a very competitive market, which makes the cost go up, which makes bad hiring decisions expensive. Yeah. So let's first, you know, you're the, we, we both have experience hiring programmers, but you are a developer at heart. I am. So, you know, when you, before we get into the, the, the quote set list here, what are some of the things that you think are important to look for when it comes to developers or programmers? Well, so for a lot of companies, the first thing they have to deal with is, are they really looking to hire a software developer or is it actually some other role, right? It could be um, more of a support person, could be a project manager, a database administrator, a DevOps person, somebody work on the product team that is really helping to find what the product's supposed to do. Like software development is complicated and it, it actually takes a lot of different roles, a lot of different personalities to build software. Um, it's not just code monkeys that write code. There's a lot of other pieces that go into it. Right. And, um, and then you have to figure out, you know, is it what kind of software are you building? Is it a web application or a mobile application or, or is it what technology does it use? Yeah. yeah. What, what, computer programming language you're using, right? And so most people kind of know some of these things, right? Like you work in an existing company and you have this system you're doing an integration with, or you already have developers and they already, you know, use this language or whatever. But 
more and more common these days, uh, a lot of companies are what we call polyglot. And so they use multiple languages, you know, they could be like, oh, we've used PHP for years, but, you know, we want to use Node.js now because it's the new cool thing and it's better and faster and more asynchronous for Let, these Let's define polyglot. And... So po polyglots the, is a term that is basically someone that adheres quickly to language or someone that has a mastery or uses multiple languages. Yeah. Usually when you, yeah. when you think of a polyglot programmer, it's somebody who uses... In, in his more than one more than one language yeah. and that's really really common for those that are more on the open source side and i say yeah. that because, i mean all programming languages are open source at this point even including microsoft's language but traditional kind of linux open source environment a lot of those those people all you know know a little java they know a little php they also are good with bash and different scripting languages and because that's kind of the world you live in well at full scale when we when we identify the polyglot trait that's someone that is often good at things that aren't similar as well. Like it, PHP and .NET aren't directly related to each other. I mean, it, it, it's not usual that you'll see someone that, that would assess highly for PHP skills and do the same with .NET. When you do see that, that tells you that that person's either potentially has a higher level of versatility or they're just someone that kind of gets code and figures it out. Well, a lot of it's just the difference of syntax, right? I mean, yeah. software developers really are problem solvers and right. they've got to be good at problem solving. And that's the point. Understanding yeah. the user, yeah. the business problem, what's trying to be solved, what's the outcome, right? And the programming language you're using is sort of just the syntax. And, you know, if you're creating variables and reading data and writing some conditional logic and, you know, writing code. I mean, you can do that in a lot of different languages, but usually people that know more than one language are usually a little smarter too. There's yeah. usually something about them. Well, that's, that, that's my point is that they, they're, they kind of get it, Yeah, you know, and, and much like you said, I, they, so you basically your thesis statement there was you needed to define your needs. And before you, yeah. before you begin looking for anything, what exactly are you looking for? Now we talked, you, we use terms like polyglot, which you may not have heard in, in layman's terms, your polyglot, polyglot friend is that guy or girl that you knew that was like, yeah, I learned French last month. You're like, what? You know, like <laughs> different I, kind of language. I speak English, yeah. but some people just get it and figure yeah. that stuff out. So, um, when it comes to programmers as well, I use the analogy of Swiss army knife or a sword. Yeah. So uh, a polyglot programmer or often referred to sometimes full stack, a full stack developer is someone that works on the back end of, of products and, and platforms and a front end developer, is someone that works on what you see on the screen. I see a huge divide in developers that are identifying themselves as one or the other, um, where or years, full stack and kind of do both. well, years ago, people, there was kind of like, Hey, you need to be a full stack in a lot of ways. And then there's just so much stuff to know. So when that, you, and honestly, that's the challenge of being a software developer today is where do you want to get good? At? It's not just about being good at C sharp or PHP or Ruby or whatever the language. It's also, you have to, you have to understand how to use, all sorts of source code control mm -hmm. stuff, right? Git and all these things, right? Uh, different project management tools like Jira, how to do unit testing, like all these different tools. Like there's a whole toolbox full of things. And before you even really sit down and write your first line of code, you've got to know how to use all these different things. 
which makes it complex. Um, well, you can only be a master at so many things yeah. too. And that's what it comes down to. So when I use the Swiss army knife and the sword analogy, um, if you're going to go into battle, you want a sword. Yeah. That's someone, it, but if you're back in camp, you don't want to be opening a can of beans with the sword. Sure. So the sword programmer is like, these are people that have done like the same thing. And when you, you know, when you talk to them, they're like, I'm a backend developer. I do.net, blah, blah, blah. And this is what I do. Right. And a Swiss army knife is someone like we said, like a full stack, a full stack developer, um, someone that has a lot of experience. They have a lot of tools. Now, I think part of why it's important to identify that needs uh, comes along with what stage your business or your startup might be at. Right. Yep. In the beginning, and we've talked about this a lot. Versatility can Versatility be very Versatility is a yes. huge, a huge value because you have someone that can potentially do a lot of different stuff and not require a lot of ramp up right. to get into it. Now, as and you know, Matt, you're you've stated this a lot. As your business evolves, you begin to evolve into the need for specialists. Right. Well, so you mentioned earlier front end and full stack. And um, so I've been doing software development professionally for like 18 or 19 years, something like that. Which is half your life. Oh, yeah, it Actually, yeah, it is about yeah. right at half my life. Yeah. And I hate the front end part of it. You're and right. so I, I, I'm awesome at writing code, you know, figuring out logic, solving problems, algorithms, everything. Right. But there is nothing more painful in the world to me than trying to lay out some text on a screen and get it yep. to lay out the right way and be aligned over here with the right spacing have and it work on nine different size devices when i on click eight this thing yep. then this thing shows up like all that's the sort of front end the like the user interface i hate that shit i, I, I know two words i know two words that'll get you fired up you ready oh no internet explorer oh my god yeah i lived through that shit <laughs> the reason that i was say my early days so um and you know here's another thing the term website designer. Yeah, that's not a software it, developer. It doesn't, yeah, and that's not really much of a thing. I mean, it can be, but it's not a programmer most no. of the time. So That's more I, a user experience design or marketing yeah, function at this point. I, I think that a lot of people make the mistake of feeling like a, quote, programmer or developer is going to have visual acuity and design skills and do yeah. all that stuff. Like exactly what you just mentioned. And and those... A lot of developers are like me. Like they can write code, right. but all that UI shit, they're like, I don't want to spend hours trying to get the text yep. right and lining yep. up and like forget that shit. And but, so a lot of a lot those of that... front-end developers are super valuable. The people they that are. like that stuff, that like to do a lot of JavaScript and CSS and really do all of mm -hmm. that. They're important. So the, those, Not my thing. those developers and, and you talk about identifying things, some of identifying your needs also, in my opinion, requires some flexibility. Like you mentioned JavaScript. Well, JavaScript has about 50 different flavors. Oh, yeah. You have React, Angular, jQuery, yeah. just all these different. And then there's a whole bunch of weird things. The thing that we've figured out is that if you're an expert at JavaScript in general, you'll probably figure any of yeah. them out pretty quickly. If you've used yeah. any of those frameworks, yeah. you're so pretty smart if, enough. If to... you're good at that stuff. So you have to identify what the need is. And then also you need to identify long-term and short-term. Yep. needs and i'll you be a honest small with project you, if you're trying to hire a programmer for a week you're gonna have a hard time well i mean so this is why <laughs> some companies rely on consultants or contractors yeah. right so they're like we've got this big thing we need to do for three months and after that maybe we need a couple people or 
we don't really know. And so you staff kind of up and you, mm -hmm. you know, get the work done and then kind of tails off. Right. And, you know, even at Stackify, like it's being, it's January and we're like, okay, we got this big project we want to do. Maybe we need an extra two or three developers. We're going to get this shit done. And then maybe after that, maybe we don't need them anymore. Maybe we have them do something else. I don't know. And in some cases, like, so Stackify is a client of full scale. I mean, we should talk about that for a second. Right. And this isn't intended to be an ad for full scale, but um, we let our clients scale their teams up and down. Yep. That's a big part of the full scale mentality. So, um, you know, you've, you've seen it over time with Stackify. And a lot of our clients is sometimes you need to add specific types of of resources and talent yep. for maybe three to six months and then being able to roll them back off the team and maybe bring in someone different can be a huge plus. Yeah. And we yeah. actually did that with, you know, we've Correct. used full scale now for a couple of years yeah. almost. And thank you. Um, you should thank yourself. There, too. there was a few months there where we kind of scaled way up yeah. and there were some certain initiatives we yep. were trying to get accomplished. And then we scaled down a little bit and now we're looking at scaling back up. And, so. that, you know, that's tough to do in a local hiring environment. And by the way, I'm not saying don't hire local because, for example, that's one of the things that we really want our clients to have. We want our clients at full scale to have local developers. And then we offer what's more or less an augmentation model yeah. to and go we, around. We find that. with yeah. Stackify the yeah. right, there's a certain mix that's kind of ideal. You know, having really your product people local yeah. that are really driving what the product's supposed to do, how it's supposed to work, you know, defining the work, you know, being there to be quickly accessible for troubleshooting customer problems, a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff is really important, but, but then the team can kind of divvy up the work and, you know, assign it out to other people that could be anywhere. They don't need to be necessarily in the office, but so, you know, it is, there, there's a nice balance there somewhere and, you know, we continue to work on what we think that balance is for us, but um, yeah, it's, it's really key and being able to scale up as we need is, is, is really important. And, you know, at Stackify, we have developers at full scale that program in like six different programming languages. Yeah. And well, right? that's that versatility and, you know, like, well, the being able to have a, a wide variety and some of the changes that you've made over time is sometimes you have to have those experts, like we mentioned, for a little bit and yeah. then being able to change them. Now, you also have a, a, a local programming team that works with a remote team. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a good mix. And actually, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the evolution that we found with helping people build teams at full scale was created around the model that you guys have been really successful with, which is local talent coupled with remote right. developers. And, and you talk about the, the need. Um, one thing to consider as well is what time do you need it? Because prior to full scale, you, your local team would basically, they were nine to five. Yeah. And you have users all over the world Right. And that made it a little more difficult. So one of the teams, one of the things that you did was you have an opposing site reliability team right. that works in a different time zone. And some of that is just to, for mental sanity preservation yes. of the local team. Because you know what? You can't pretty much the, the for uh, those that were on call Murphy, locally, Murphy's law will dictate call. if something breaks, it's usually at one in the morning <laughs> and yeah. it usually requires waking someone up to fix. So, so. let's go back to the long-term short-term yeah. thing for a second. Another thing to think about when you're looking for developers or looking for somebody to help build a, a, a project for you is there are some places that will do project work. They will yeah. do bid project work. It's like, Hey, we need these exact three things done. And you can go out and get a bit, just like if you were like remodeling your house, right? Yeah, like like that's, we need these. Exact, we don't do that. At and full scale, scale doesn't yeah, do that yeah. because um, full scale tends to uh, 
work best for those who have a team and they want to augment the team, right? Yeah. But there are firms out there that you can go get a bid and it's like, oh, it's $30,000, $40,000, right. whatever. And odds are it's probably really going to take twice whatever they tell you. And uh, you're going to – you really mo- – all software needs some care and feeding usually. Right. But it depends on what you're doing. If it's like a really super simple thing. But usually if you're hiring programmers, you got to think about whatever the software is. We have to maintain and make changes to this thing potentially it's never forever. Done. It's never it's done. It's never done. Yeah. And, and sometimes people have asked me when I tell them that. They're like, well, when, by the way, when I hear a potential client say when it's done – that's a red flag for yeah, me. They don't it tells me you don't understand yeah. what's going on because they don't under, they things break when it comes to software, and it's not because you built it poorly. It's because things change in servers or, yeah. or just different programming gets updated. You know, Google doesn't call you and tell you that they've made a change to Chrome. Yeah, and just goofy things like that that you need they require adjustments. One so of my favorite. You got to keep that in mind. Is that um, software development is like fashion? There is no final version. Mm. I have a lot of phrases for software development and some of them aren't that kind. Okay. So now we've identified our needs and we know what we have a better idea that what we're looking for. We've got a whole set that that was, believe it or not, Matt, that was the easy part. Okay. That was the easy part of the process. So now, and we're not going to get into methods of recruitment. Now we have candidates regardless of where they are. Wait a second. You can find people. Well, let's we got to talk about that. Let's Hold on. Okay, what are you talking well, about? Okay. Finding people is the hardest part. Well, I mean, I, we would have to do a whole separate show about how, where, and all that to find. So, I mean, we, like I mentioned, there's you can place ads, you can do things on LinkedIn, you can use recruiters or whatever. But yeah. regardless of which method you choose for for sourcing people, let's just say theoretically you did all of it, and now you have candidates. We won. Okay. Well, let's just, well, regardless, let's say we, we have one. candidates, but now we got to figure out if these people are any good at what yes. they do. And I think this is That's the hard, also hard. I think this is the hardest part. Now at full scale, we've created a, we have, we are up to 21 certifications that we've created and we've put a lot of thought and effort into them and they are actual code tests. So, you know, and that's the thing. It's uh, we actually use a platform called Hacker Rank. No, no problem sharing that. But we've customized it to be our own stuff, not to just be completely cookie cutter. Now, what some of that does will give you an idea as to whether or not the the basics of the fundamentals exist, but it doesn't tell you the whole story. It doesn't tell you things like, is this person good to work with, or do they have problem solving skills? It doesn't tell you about what their experience level is. It doesn't tell you if they're flaky and they've had 19 jobs in the last year or whatever. So, you know, the, and then other things too, is it, um, you know, (laughs) is it fair to say that, um, in general, people that trend towards this career field aren't always extroverted. None of them are. Well, some are, but it's not, it's not as common. They don't, a lot of them don't have good communication skills. So, and that's where, that's what I was trying to lead to. Uh, I think you've said at least a thousand times to me, building software is all about good communication. It is. It's all about communication, telling people, telling your development team what to do and what not to do. And honestly, actually telling them what not to do is the most important but the when you go to hire somebody, really their resume is sort of completely useless. Yeah. How many years experience they have is also sort of completely useless. Yep. Really what you got to do is find people that are super smart. Um, 
And ding, there, ding, 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 ding. Like there, that's the key. Smart yeah, people figure. Smart people. They figure shit I mean, out. Some, I mean, you can hire potentially somebody who is fresh out of college. They got a couple years experience that are just hungry and smart and bright, and they just want to conquer the world. And they could run around somebody with 15 years of experience. Run circles around. Yeah. And, and by the way, um, you mentioned uh, the resume isn't always useful. Sometimes you can look at someone and they've worked somewhere for 12 straight years. While that represents a sense of stability and commitment, it isn't always a good thing. Because that you they may be, I use the term institutionalized. Well, actually, I read a um, comment on a thread about this on Hacker News. And for those of you who don't know what Hacker News is, it's a news site. Is that HackerNews.com? Uh, no, it's like Y Combinator. Or sure, I don't you know can Google website. it. Right? Hacker, everybody knows what Hacker News is. Anyways, it's, uh, somebody was talking about how they worked at Google and they hated it. Hated it. And, and everybody's like, well, what should I? He's like, what should I do? Should I stay here? Should I go work somewhere else? And uh, most of the people commented and they're like, no, just stay there. You know, work your 40 hours and then go do something else. Just do the minimum amount of work you need to do. And the guy's he's like, okay, I guess, you know, I'll focus on my personal life. I'll do the absolute minimum amount of work I got to do. I go to my three meetings a day. I write five lines of code. And I'll be at Google and I'll coast for the next 20 years. I'll get my stock options. I mean, there are a whole lot of those people. Yeah. And that's not who I'm looking for. That doesn't mean they're not good developers. I know, but that's not who I'm looking but for when I hire someone. Someone There's that's, a lot of those people. Yeah. But which is the norm? That's the 80, not the 20. Yeah. Um, so there's some things and I'm willing to share. Some, some are very, in, 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 not starting to cut you off, but some of them also, people that get in that, they, they work on like the same thing all the time. Like, it's it's like they only know they work in like a box and yeah. they only know how to work in that well box, that's my right? point with institutionalized they're really good at working the exact the exact within the parameters google that gives me there. these set of tools and, and we, i only do these set of things we've had people like way. that in the past and they're good at that stuff and then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute what do you mean you've never they're done not this? very adaptable yeah what do you mean you've never done this or whatever so yeah so well you, we talk about people uh potentially jumping around from job to job a little bit too i mean honestly that's part of the reason that people do move around a lot, right? Is they want variety. They want yeah. to challenge. And actually that was one of the things one of my college teachers stressed us. Like, you know, you really shouldn't work the same place more than like three or four years or something because your, your skills will get dated. Mm -hmm. You need to, you want to work on something different. You need to learn something different. The programming languages change. Right. And that's part of our challenge at full scale, right? Is continuing to challenge the employees we have, yeah. giving them new opportunities, giving them new projects. Yeah. We're launching all full, that sort of full scale university. But, um, is, is enrolling now. And yep. so like, what is that? Well, for example, if you work for a client of our, uh, if you're, you know, if they're on a team and they work for a full scale client, they might be doing eight out of the 10 things that they're passionate about. And what we're, what we've done is create some, you know, learning academies that we are letting our employees participate in that let them keep their skills and interests current. Well, a lot of them want to learn about management or leadership or Correct. architecture or about, or about new things like Kubernetes. What yeah. is Kubernetes? How do I use it? Or front end tech or machine stuff. learning or just yep. things that they find to be interesting. And, you know, like whether or not, the, I mean, there's not like directly an AI client or project for everyone to work yeah. on, but you might find interest in yep. it. And there might be like some people there. It's just a chance to share. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to give all of our listeners gold here. Um, oh. And I'm going to share the, so I mentioned it. I, at full scale, we're freaking good at recruiting and assessing 
talent. Like that is a strength that we've developed and I'm going to share some of the things. Now I, you know, the code test it's, I can't really share that during a podcast, but we do actually have some practical application, but, um, I've created a, a matrix of, of things that I think that it's important to look for that aren't just writing oh, code soft skills yes and i re oft, sometimes refer to these as intangibles um these aren't necessarily things that you're going to see on a resume so the very first one the very first question to ask is does this person have relevant experience compared to what the, the what i need them to do you know like is the candidate's past experience valid for this it can like, be helpful yeah um it's not but, always required but it can be helpful sure now that is something you should be considering the next is what is their overall experience with software development mm -hmm. now that doesn't necessarily have to be directly related to what you're hiring for but you look at the overall experience so someone that has 15 years of experience has done five years at three different jobs that's a lot of varied and deep mm -hmm. experience um communication you know, in our case, we're operating with, we have almost 200 employees in a, in a foreign country. And if they don't speak English or they can't communicate or they just are, they're like incredibly introverted. That's, that's a, you know, if you're not outgoing or you're not one to do well with communication, then that's going to be a problem when you're providing services for a client. Would you yep. agree? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than telling a software developer to build a door and then they don't actually ask you if you need a doorknob. Yeah. And the, by the way, that's really and they common. Just make assumptions. And, and I think another thing too is, is, is um, and I'm not saying that someone that isn't, a, isn't um, remarkably outward isn't worth hiring. It's just, you need to know what you're getting into because someone that is a little more introverted, um, in my opinion, you have to push them a little more to ask questions. They're not going to always be, uh, they're not going to push for that as much. Instead, you have to prepare yourself to regular. Do you have any questions, Matt? No. Is there any, do you have any concerns? Yeah, I'm working on this SQL query and it's not performing very well. Can you help me with it? Okay, that, yeah, totally. But my point is, is you didn't mention that on your own just now. I had I to know, dig for it a sorry. little bit. So a next thing um, I is. I want to tell you my code sucked. Attitude and likability. Like, do you think this person has a good attitude and will be well-liked by their peers? Why is that important? Dude, if you drop a turd in the punch bowl, punch doesn't taste good anymore. Yeah, I've, we've, I've had some people at Stackify that way. They just kind of brought the whole culture of the company down and because they were just the turds. It's not good. And another thing, too, is the general attitude is, is uh, someone that's building a product with you or a platform with you needs to be open to taking feedback. And if they yeah. have a shitty attitude and you're like, hey, we can improve this. And they're like, why? Then, yeah. then you just spend a bunch of time dealing with it. And by the way, like, I think it's just like life's too short to some, work with. Some developers can like take that. things very personal and right. they, they think their code is their baby and creates problems. Well, that's my point. And that's a, there's a level of that's not typically a great thing. All right. Critical thinking. Do you think this person has the ability to speak up and voice uh, solutions for critical issues? That is something uh, a couple years later that is one of the most common complaints on our from our incoming clients about past right. situations or developers they've had, whether it be local or through contractors, is like Matt mentioned, like prior the saying, "Hey, I think there's a problem here. 
Like it would be the equivalent of me giving you a blueprint to build a house and you're a builder and you look at it and you go, man, this is going to fall over. Yeah. But I'll build it anyway. Cause I don't want to say anything. I'll take the check. Just keep writing code. Yeah. And, and that is not, those aren't the type of people that you want. Just want to make the client happy. I'll yeah. do what they told me. And that there's, I have another note just below that that's related to problem solving. And do you think that the, the, the candidate you're talking to has the ability to define and generate solutions? And really a good, a good software developer is a problem solver. How much energy does it take to find problems? Yeah. And none, and, none. Right. How much energy does it take to find a solution? A lot. A lot. Yeah. And if you find someone that's that, and you also want someone that's aggressive with their interest in solving problems, not someone that's constantly going to solve that problem later. Right. Cause then you start accumulating what is commonly known as technical debt. Yep. Right. All right. Uh, leadership. It's something to look at. It doesn't, it shouldn't, it doesn't necessarily, you know, some people want to be leaders and some people don't. And it's a simple question. Yep. Are you interested in being a leader or would you rather be a member of a team? I want to be Mickey Mouse. That's a different subject. Okay. Um, versatility. We mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. like, does this person have a, a, a varied set of skills and interests? The more versatile someone is, the you will eventually find some shortcomings when it comes to the depth of each thing because you yeah. can only be an expert in so many things yep um and then the last thing i have in my matrix here is passion are they passionate right. about what they're doing because you just mentioned you you the guy that's like yeah i'll do my 40 i'll i'm going to do the bare minimum yep that dude's not passionate he's not um, passionate people, they're, they are borderline obsessed with what they're doing. They love it, mm -hmm. which means that they're going to do a lot of it. They're going to take a level of care and interest in it that you can't, you can't <laughs> also in this matrix, you can't, you can't assess someone's ability to care. People care or they don't. And they take you, the one of the big things you can't train them to do it is I like people that take ownership of things. That's my point. Yeah. And passionate people are more yeah. likely to take ownership and care yeah. because they're passionate about what they're doing and what their output is, or maybe even just their own, even if I'm okay with them being passionate in a selfish way, like for their own career right. and wanting to do, it's fine. It still comes out in the same thing. So I mean, what do you think about that list? Those are some things that are pretty important to look at. It's a right? lot of things. I mean, if you find all of those things in one person, it's probably a unicorn. Well, yeah, but those are all things to to figure out and and know. Now, are you good at interviewing people? Not really. Why? It's hard. Okay. Well, what do you find difficult about it? I don't know. I mean, it's it's just hard. I mean, especially with software developers, it's hard because you, you it's almost impossible to know if they're any good at actually writing code, you know? Yeah. And there's some tests and things that can give you an idea of that. By the way, um, it doesn't matter how great you are at interviewing, how awesome your code tests are. It, really, in the end, you have no idea how good of a job someone does until they show up. And yeah. Do yeah. And there are, there are some really good uh, code testing things these days. These, these days, you mentioned hacker rank. We mm -hmm. use that and there's some other things. And some of them even make the, um, the, the people do like write a real project. Yeah. You know, not just like answer a, you know, multiple choice, but like go write some code, go write a web application that does these things and then upload the entire project. And yeah, like our, our certifications, um, the main bulk of the scoring consists around 
you know, solving actual code problems. Yeah. Code problems. And there are a few multiple choice questions in there. Now one, you wouldn't believe just asking somebody to write and read code. How many people like fail that? Oh yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. Well, you know, the main reason for these actual tests is that's our first line of defense when it comes to screening candidates. Like if you can't score in the top 20% of that, we don't even interview you. Because at that point, like it's a stretch and we like everything about full scale is about trying to find experts. Now, experts exist at different levels of each career field, but our our level of expectation for someone with four years of experience compared to 14 is different. Sure. Like you better be a freaking master of it at 14 years because you're probably going to ask for more, meaning like you're going to want to get paid more. Yep. So, all right. So I have some, some basic interview questions that I think are good that I'd like to share with you, man. Oh. What makes you happy? <sighs> you don't have to answer. My all love <laughs> for code. And the podcast, right? Yeah. Podcasting first. And green M&Ms. Um, what are your professional or life goals? These are good questions because you, in this case, you want, okay, they're talking about, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer to a question like that, but some are definitely better than others. I don't want to live in my mom's basement anymore. I want to continue to learn and grow and I want to work on interesting and engaging things. I want to be around people that challenge me, situations that challenge me. And I, I, and I accept the fact that I have a lot to learn. That something like that would be a beautiful answer. I mean, software developers that just want to be around people is a big win. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, we'll get into that because that's on the list here. All right. What motivates you? Oh. See, that's creating that. cool products for my users. So you're going to end up with programmers. You'll get a couple different answers. And by the way, like someone that says money um, might not be on your team for long. Because if that's their main motivation for working for you, but which, by the way, is okay. But you need to understand if you have someone that's just interested in being a piece in an auction, yeah. that if another higher bidder comes along, it could be an issue. What developers care more about is interesting yep. work. Yep. That, by the way, that that's, uh, continues, to, and I don't know why, because I know the difference, but when you talk to our staff, and by the way, why are we credible to talk about this? Dude, we've hired 200 programmers in the last two years. Yeah. We've had to get good at this, and we've had right. to be streamlined with it, but... Um, the, we find at the full scale office that the over, the overwhelming desire is to work on things that are challenging. People want to feel like they're moving their career forward. They want to feel like they're learning new things. They want to, they, and like we turn clients down a lot and it's because they're clients that aren't the right fit for providing that kind of stuff. We, part of our recruitment process, Hey, we work with interesting and engaging clients. Yep. And, you know, what a senior developer doesn't want to get stuck doing is building WordPress sites all day that someone with six months of experience could probably do. Yep. Okay. Um, What professional areas do you feel that you need to improve, Matt? Mm. By the way, just asking this of someone will often give you a window into what they either aren't confident in or what they openly acknowledge they're not good at. All right. I I need to stop telling my coworkers that their code sucks. (laughs) Well, if you're telling me that, I accept that. You don't even have any code. Well, that's my point. So that makes it terrible, yeah. right? Um, why are you considering leaving your current job, Matt? My boss is a dick. <laughs> you, but you hear stuff like that. I'm um, job security. Job security is a big one. Um, often, I'm bored. 
you know, I'm not really doing anything. Um, I, you know, maybe a, a lot of times you'll get answers of, I don't feel that the management respects us or different things. Um, all right. What have you liked about your current or past employers, Matt? Uh, they had free lunch. By the way, that is something we do and it is a popular thing. But this is a good example too, because if you get the, now there's a the secret ingredient to this answer. If you get someone that just goes into a 15 minute uh, soapbox session about, and they hang every bit of dirty laundry out about everyone that they've ever worked for, that's not a good thing because they're you're going to end up on that clothesline. All right, here's a good one. Do you like working solo or with teams? No. Neither. 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 <laughs> uh, I like working in the basement in the dark. Some pe- some no well people. some programmers like to be like they like to be in in their own lane. Yeah. Some like to be on a team and yeah. some don't mind either. Yep. So, um here's another one and this is one that you've you helped us, you know, really the importance of defining, uh, do you prefer front end projects, back end projects, or are you okay with both? I definitely like the back end. I've told people about the, that, that about you a lot. Um, what are your best skills or abilities as a software developer? Copying and pasting code. Ooh, I'm really good at it. Not a good I'm answer. I'm good at deleting code too. Not a good and answer. Stack overflow. I can solve everything on stack overflow. Um, Dude, these are essential skills for a developer. Copying and pasting. Yeah. No, we're giving people we're giving people <laughs> gut advice here. By the way, what Matt's, the what Matt's mentioning there is is usually a, a shortcut uh, that some developers will take that doesn't usually work out well. Well, I mean, actually, it's it's honest. I mean, you're not an expert about everything, so you got to yeah. search and figure out how to solve sure. problems and follow other people's examples. It's part we of the work. Add that. How good are you at Googling things? Yeah, dude, that's like job number one as a developer. Yeah. Well, but but it, that doesn't mean that that's bad. That means that someone is seeking a solution. And it's problem yeah. solving and learning. Yeah. All right. What's the thing in web development that you least like doing? JavaScript. Okay. See, but the, you can see with these questions, we're very quickly getting to the bottom of who this person is, what they like to do. By the way, you can hire, if you hire someone and they immediately are, are doing all the things that they don't like doing or that they don't feel confident in, you're not going to have a happy employee. You're not going to have someone that's passionate about what they're doing. And you're probably not going to have that person on your team. for very. So, you know that I don't like other people. I think everybody else code sucks and I hate JavaScript, but I do like free lunch. I, you're probably not going to get a job here, sir. Mm. Yeah. You're fine. How did you get an interview here? (laughs) Oh, you were good at writing code on the code test. Yeah. But everything else about test. you sucks. But yeah. that's the whole purpose of this episode is that person might look good in one form of assessment. But when you get to the real, you know, brass tacks of it all, that's not the right person for your team. Um, are you usually consistent and on time? <laughs> There's nothing about software development that's on time. I'm talking as a person. <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious. I didn't say, or do you meet deadlines? Oh, okay, okay. Consistent and on time. Why is that important? I just, I think that the bigger your team gets, if you have someone that's like consistently late, it just shits all over the other people on the Gotta team. Be dependable. Like, yeah, and then it, what's your level of reliability? I, I had this problem with one of our developers lately. He people was, are flaky. He man. was working all sorts of weird hours. And I'm like, dude, we need you here at 9 a.m. because we want to deploy some shit 
yeah. and you're not here and you're the person that, that does it is we depend on you're yeah. not here do i need somebody else if you're not going to be here so matt i have a question what are you really looking for in an employer cool shit to work on fun okay. place to work fun environment learning from people learning from the team i want to be challenged i want to be around smart people notice he didn't say job security in there now with that you'll find a lot of people do yeah so do. some people that's that's what's key they um you know a lot of especially as as uh, you're less likely to get the answer of job security with a 25 year old candidate than you are with a 45 year old candidate i honestly feel like job security like if you're good at what you do job security is of absolute no concern right like i fired the worst developer that's ever worked for me and he got a job like three days later yeah and that's well here here because yeah. it's now if you're um really I, shitty at what you do and you're trying to hide in a cubicle somewhere and you don't want anybody to find you yeah maybe job security is really important by the way i like the answer of job security because so at full skill one of the things that we try to do is create an environment where people want to hang where they, where they want to stick around yeah and um, one of the, and some of Matt's comments are related more to North American markets where turnover is a huge problem. The reason that turnover is a problem when you're hiring developers is if someone quits six months after you start, you really didn't get a whole lot out of them because it's, it's it takes three to six months for most software developers to really hit their stride on yeah. a lot of platforms. Um, when hiring someone, you need to assume, and by the way, this would be longer at something like Stackify, but in general, you're looking at two to four weeks for that person to even understand what the hell is yeah. going on. What is it we do here? Yeah. And it's because the, it depends on the, I mentioned taking longer at Stackify. You have a, a, compl a deep and complex uh, uh, product and it does a lot of complicated stuff in massive volume. So wrapping your arms around that can be difficult. By the way, when you interview people, do you ask them if they have experience with Stackify? No. That should be a question. That's a good one. I like that. Well, I'll consider adding <laughs> that. Um, and then the very last question on here is, so Matt, what do you see as your greatest strengths? Oh. As a developer. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say drinking coffee. I, was I mean, gonna, I can drink a lot of coffee. I was going to say bench press. No. Uh, maybe for you, if coffee, that's French as press. A is that French press? Is that French yeah, press? French press. Yes, yeah, French press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. What's your, your greatest strength? So, so these are questions that are easy to answer and they tell you a lot because along the way we've identified the th it, with this question, what are you passionate about? What do you like doing? What do you yeah. not like doing? What are some of the things that have led to you being unhappy at prior employers? What are some yeah. of the things that you're looking for? You know, like what, and you know, through that, and that's a short list of questions, well, but, but those, in, those are the questions we ask. The, I mean, these are good best practices when you're hiring anybody of any kind of job type, right? I yeah. mean, you're really just trying to get them to talk. Right. And, and right. You're, you're trying to learn about them. You're, you're trying to get them to, you know, say something that sets off some red flags. Or sure. So. And and by the way, all the questions that, that in my opinion, all the questions uh, that I just laid out there for you are, um, are easy to ask. Yeah. And they're easy to answer. Yeah. And but, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer to a lot of them. Right. You're getting some opinion. By the way, you know, the hardest one, the answer is what makes you happy. Mm. People like literally like freeze at that. They're like, um, um, and I sometimes wonder if we have, um, if we have now triggered a deep philosophical series of events that that person needs, but the, these things are pretty, I mean, a happy employee 
is one that is interested in staying. They're a lot more productive. That's why you see so much, so many things about work culture and all that yeah. stuff. So, you know, if someone that you're talking to answered a lot of those questions in, in a way that you don't think that working at your business is going to provide the right answers for them, then that might not be a good fit. Yep. So, okay. So now we got, we got down to, we buy, all right. So with the, we found one candidate. Sure. Well, <laughs> say we, found, we, can find. we found one that we wanted <laughs> to hire. Um, you know, there are some other expectations too. Like um, there's some things, and this is just general hiring practices. Um, anybody that is willing to quit their job on no notice, you don't want. Yeah. Because they're going to do that to you. Yeah. Um, and that's important also with software because sometimes there's a handoff period with certain things and tasks. So, you know, ask people when, you know, how long do you need till they start? I think in uh, I think in the North American market for local hiring for programmers, if you find people that aren't currently employed, it's a red flag. I, I might wonder why. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to find a job. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't you have a yeah. job right now? Because there's like literally like three hundred thousand open it's positions. It's like when you see a really cute guy or girl and they're single, and you're like, why are you single? I wondered that about you for a yeah, while, but yeah, you yeah. fixed that. So, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and then some of the things is, is in, in finality to add some finality to the episode here is when you go to offer jobs, like you need to be prepared to, uh, you know, uh, you're going to offer someone X salary and benefits and stuff. You need to be prepared to spell that all out in a, in a, uh, in a easy to understand manner. And a lot of times it's going to help you get the people that you want by also beginning to define what kind of role they're going to play in your organization. So, cause someone that has a lot of experience, like someone's asking the right questions is also going to ask you things like, well, what would I, what would I do here? What do you see my, what, what kind of things would someone in my role do for you? And, and then another thing too, is clearly understanding and setting what some expectations are. Yep. Like you mentioned, like the, sometimes that can be a schedule and, you know, everybody's life is different. Everyone has different sets of needs. Some parents are single parents. And, you know, if you're a single parent, like you might need to come in earlier so you can go pick up a kid at three right. 30 yep. and just, you know, and, and sometimes little bits of flexibility like that. I mean, I'm a results guy. Like there's, there's, I don't always need everyone nine to five, nine to five, nine to five. Now that said, you want to make sure that, and that's why the questions about reliability and consistency are important. Are you going to be where I, where I expect you to be when I expect you to be there? Sometimes. Well, that's not a good answer. Ah, okay. So, well, once again, if you, uh, if you want to see the YouTube version of this, yeah, we do have a YouTube channel. You can see our beautiful faces. Um, hopefully some of the stuff that we talked about here is helpful when it comes to not only hiring programmers, but maybe even just employees in general. Yeah, some of it's definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, if you are having a hard time hiring uh, programmers or IT help, check out fullscale.io. I mean, our, our whole business revolves around uh, making that quick and affordable. Yes. And uh, we, like, like I mentioned, I, I tried to share a lot of the things that, you know, we look for that are important. And I think that it's difficult, uh, you know, finding it took, it took me a while. I've been hiring programmers for over 10 years now and it took me a while to really learn some of the red flags that came up. So, you know, yep. there, there are, whether it's full scale or somewhere else, there are people out there that are 
really good at figuring that out for you. So speaking of which, I'm going to go hire some more people. All right. All right. See Thank you next you. time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.